Hey guys, you guys are lame. Um, I'm just kidding. You're not lame. Um, tonight we're at tables. Tonight you have boxes on your tables, and you have um, a little remote control thing inside a little plastic bag. That's because we have a, a special guest. Um, that's going to come and share his heart with us tonight. His name is Greg Kelly. Greg's been, uh, he's visited Access before multiple times, and every time he comes, he just shares his heart for the world, and, and he gives us a glimpse of what it's like to, to travel to the unreached people groups of the world and in Africa and in parts of the Middle East. We're so honored to have him here, so honored to have him uh, to share what God is doing in his life and through World Mission, which is uh, the company that he's a CEO of. So um, without further ado, Greg, why don't you come up as he's coming up? Why don't you give him a round of applause? And uh, we'll get started tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. Pastor Jake. Man, I'm like, like, like awesome. You love that, Pastor? Is that what they call you, buddy? Call him Pastor Jake. There's, you know, you can't call him Pastor Blau Camp, right? Because you'll get like four people coming to you at the same time, like, oh, what do you want? Yeah, so anyway, it's great to be here, uh, Pastor. Thanks so much for the invitation. My name is Greg, and uh, this is our home. This is our family's home, uh, Resurrection Life Church. My, two of my five children are here, Anna and Luke. I'm not going to totally embarrass them, but they are here someplace. Maybe they'll raise their hand if they're brave enough. Will they raise their hand? Where are you guys at? They left. Oh, there they are over there. Okay. All right, guys. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So my wife, Kathy, and I, we just had our 25-year anniversary. Woohoo! Yes. My wife, who I met in nursery school, that's correct. We were not only high school sweethearts, we were in the same nursery school class together. Is that crazy or what? But she is the easiest person in the whole world to figure out like a fun vacation because all she wants to do is go somewhere warm on the beach, and um, last week when we celebrated our 25th, our decision-making all week long was this. Swimming pool or the ocean? Swimming, so we were just going back and forth, and I, I literally had to drag her out. I'm like, honey, the airplane's leaving in one and a half hours. Come on, we gotta go because we have to get back home. Uh, so anyway, it's great to be here with you guys and share with you, uh, share with you my favorite uh, thing in the world besides my family and Jesus, uh, which is the Great Commission. And uh, so I just want to start by letting you know that uh, something radical changed my life. And, you know, sometimes when we think about missions, you know, you guys immediately and Christians in general kind of uh, detach and they, they say, oh yeah, that's for the missionary. That's, that's for that, that guy or that family, that individual who lives in Congo or who lives in Erie and Jaya. But uh, this evening, I want to tell you that everything I talk about tonight, I want you to know that there's a direct connection right here to Granville, Michigan. There's a direct connection. And as you're listening to me tonight, I want you to filter it through that lens. I don't want you to think, yeah, that's just something that applies to Mr. Kelly, who has the opportunity to travel around the world. Guys, it very much applies to you today. And if the church doesn't embrace that mindset, then we're kind of never going to get the job done. You know what job I'm talking about? I'm talking about Jesus' last words. It changed my life. Jesus said the last things Jesus said in the book of Matthew, and it's also captured in the book of Mark. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I have commanded. And surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. That's, that's the last thing that Jesus said. Who knows that everything Jesus said is important, right? The last thing Jesus said, he wants to establish inside of your heart. And here's the thing that I can't get over is whether I'm here in Granville, Michigan, and I so appreciate those testimonies. It's awesome. God is moving here, isn't he? He's moving here right here in Granville, Michigan or in Byron Center where I live from. And I am with you always applies right here. And it applies over here to the last Christians I set eyes on in the country of Kenya in the eastern part. It was, it's in a place called Dadab. It's the largest refugee camp in the entire world. 500,000 Somali living there. And these people I met with are Christians and they're heavily, heavily persecuted. And this is, this is their reality. Every single day, they just ground around and do the most filthy jobs you could possibly imagine for $1. So they, they work like tooth and nail all day long to get $1 so they can feed their family. And then at night, this is what the man told me. He said, Greg, he said, I sleep with one eye open because Al-Shabaab is prowling around, and if they find Christians, they'll take them, and you'll never be seen from again. That's, that's, that's their story over there. And when we met with these people, they brought them to a secure location, and the taxi driver brought them in, who was this Muslim guy, and he dropped them off, and our time was getting to an end, and they were getting kind of anxious, and we were all kind of getting anxious, because we why are we all anxious? And this is what they said. They said, we need to get out of here before the taxi guy comes back, because if he sees us, he'll report us. And that might be the end for us. So my point is whether you're over there in Kenya where people are trying to kill you, or whether you're here in Granville or Byron Center, Michigan, Jesus' words of I am with you always applies. So it's important for you guys, for all of us really here, to have an understanding of what these guys around the world who have never heard of Jesus, what their, what their lives are like, because God wants you to be a part of that. You see, there's a great verse in the Bible in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that talks about when you and I receive the Holy Spirit and power, the Bible says that we'll be his witnesses. You know where it says we'll be his witnesses? It says we'll be his witnesses in Granville and in Byron Center and also the ends of the earth. It says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And there's a conjunction that connects them all together. It's not comma and it's not or, but it's and. So that word and says your Jerusalem, which is here, right? Your Judea, your Samaria, and your ends of the earth. So, so we need to understand what's going around, around the nations of the world. And, and tonight I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about that, and I'm gonna connect the dots a little bit, like Pastor just said, about this little guy that's on your, your table. Because Jesus told us to go make disciples, didn't he? He didn't say go make converts. He didn't, he didn't go say, hey, just kind of go tell them that I love them. He said, go and make disciples. And there's two things that are imperative in the discipleship-making process. Now, I want you to even think about your own life. Could you possibly have become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ without the word of God? No. Could you have become a disciple? Maybe you might have been, but it would have been difficult without the body of Christ. This is part of your, your, your classroom, environment to become a disciple. 
And so what you have there in the middle of your table is this thing called the treasure. It's a solar-powered audio Bible. Now, now catch this. You say, well, why do you need to do that? Why can't we just send them Bibles, printed Bibles? And the reality is that more than half of the people around the world, they can't read at all. And so we need to send an audio tool to them so that they can hear the word of God. And that's, that's where the treasure comes in. So you guys can play around with it later. This is an English one. So, uh, you know, you don't have to turn it on right now, but this is basically what it sounds like. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. So we set up these listening groups. When one treasure goes out, it, it, it facilitates a listening group of about 12 people. And so they'll gather around, and for most of these people, they're hearing the gospel for the first time in their lives. That box that you see right there, that sends it. This is the airplane that sends this, because when you take this home with you and you fill it up with loose coins, it's going to send one of these out. And cool stuff is going to happen. Really cool stuff is going to happen. Like, I was just in the, the um, this is in Congo where the last remaining unreached people group called the Pygmies live. Now, one of our strategies as an organization is we'll go in there. Now, if someone's never heard of Jesus, it's hard to just give them a Bible and say, hey, just listen to this. You know, start in Matthew chapter one and kind of make your way through it. So what we do is we show them the Jesus film. And so, so what you have here is, is there's a, this, you see this screen right there? That right there is where we've just set up for the Jesus film that night and 100 people gave their lives to Christ this particular night. But let me tell you what happened. Yeah, it was awesome. It was phenomenal. Let me tell you what happened with this one guy. Now, it's hard for you to even have a context or a, a department in your mind to put this. But just try for a moment with me. You've never heard of Jesus. No one's ever told you about him, okay? And you show up at this thing. Not only that, but technology, as far as you're concerned, I mean, your, your greatest form of technology is you saw a guy ride a bike, you know, down the road. I mean, that, that's the extent of technology. I mean, it's almost like Stone Ages. So here we show the Jesus film, and all these pygmies, which is the people group, they're gathering around, and they're watching the life of Jesus as it unfolds in the book of Luke. Now, this one guy, he's a warrior, and he's looking at that, and, you know, as the story goes on, you guys know what happens. They start beating Jesus, right? And this guy's starting to watch that, man. He's getting irritated. Well, he's thinking to himself, that guy didn't do anything wrong. That guy is innocent. And as far as he's concerned, those are real people on that screen. I mean, he doesn't know, like, what, hey, it's just a movie. He doesn't know that. He thinks there's real people on that screen that are beating Jesus, making him bleed, putting the crown of thorns on his head, making him carry the cross. Finally, he has enough. This guy is fed up with that. So he's about maybe from here, I'll just say from here to the screen away. And he is sick and tired of these guys. So he pulls out his bow and arrow and he pulls his bow and arrow back and he launches it into the screen to take out some of the Roman soldiers. And the whole thing comes crashing down. And these guys are like, what are you doing? That's just make believe. And this guy's like, no, 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 they were doing, did you see that? And they're like, my, so my friend, my friend takes him aside. And he says, it's, 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 those aren't real people. But the story's real. The story happened. 
And that guy who was getting beat up there died for you. And that's God's son. And he, and he led him to Christ. This is Dale right here with this man right here. This is the man right there that shot his bow and arrow. Now, he doesn't look like a warrior, but let me tell you this about the pygmies. If you ever get lost in the bush, uh, a pygmy is like a combination of Tarzan and MacGyver kind of combined into one. That's who you want to be with, okay? If you ever get lost, you want to be with a pygmy. Trust me. Uh, the other thing about a pygmy that we had to quickly establish when we arrived is the pygmies will kill everything they see and eat it. So uh, for half of them, they had never seen uh, you know, a white guy before. So I had to quickly explain to them, hey, I'm not an animal. I'm like a real human being. So like, I'm not dinner or anything like that, OK? So I had to establish that with them. But uh, this, this guy is an animal. And you see, what does he have in his hand? You know, some kid at a Christian school in Ludington filled up one of these boxes right here. And he sent it into World Mission. And you know what we did with that? We sent a treasure to this guy here. And you know what he did with it? He took it to a place that we could never find. I mean, you couldn't even begin to find some of these villages, but off he went, and he shared the gospel with people. And he shared the gospel with people. The pygmies, they believe in witchcraft. And so we, as I was there with them, they brought up this sack of stuff. And they were telling me, Brother Greg, Brother Greg, you know, through a translator, that this guy's been listening to the treasure for days, and God's touched his life. Do you know what the Bible says about an encounter with the Word of God? It says in Isaiah 55, it won't return void. Now, do you know that applies to me right here in Granville, Michigan? Just as much as it applies to me being persecuted because I'm a follower of Jesus and someone wanting to cut my head off. That principle applies to you if you open yourself up. You, you may not know Jesus. Tonight, the messenger is coming and saying, open your heart to the word of God. It will change you, just like this man who had this. Now, let me just explain, for those of you who aren't you know, acclimated in the witch doctor craft, let me just explain to you for a moment what some of the things we have here. I, that's like an old cigar. I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh, this right here is a bottle of like potion that they, they, they sort of cast spells and they, they put it on people and they, you know, they literally, it's demonic activity. They're, they're casting spells and curses on people. And then this little guy right here, you can't see it very well, is the tooth of a viper, a snake. That he will go around and people he doesn't like, you don't want to get on the bad list of a witch doctor. Come up and they stab people with a little dose of that, which is poison, and they kill people. And this killer came in contact with the word of God, and he listened to it. They said for three days, he was listening to the word of God. Someone gave him a treasure. And this guy doesn't look like much of a killer now, does he? Uh, he I might have, you, you might think, hey, Greg, you need to watch your back on that guy that he doesn't like, you know, backslide or something and hit you with the viper thing. But here he is right here. This is, the, this is the pastor who was working with him. And that is the man who killed people. But he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. Do you know that more than half of the Bible that will not return void was written by someone who killed people. 
The next wedding you go to, love is patient, love is kind. You, you're familiar with that verse in Corinthians. Remind yourself that someone who is a killer wrote it, who's transformed by the power of God. That same Bible will change your life. And that's why we send it into places like this, because they receive the word of God and it changes them. Awesome things happen. Awesome things happen. Let me remind you of some awesome things that happen. If you have a Bible, just, you don't have to, um, just, just make note of this. Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, now here's the thing I love about Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is the first manifestation of Jesus' public ministry. The signs and wonders, the healing people. Because he preached the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. He's calling people to follow me. Follow me, okay? Because Matthew 8 is getting ready to happen. And so here we see some of the first miracles that Jesus is doing. And it talks about in, in Matthew chapter 8, I'm just going to skim through some of these real quick. A leper came to him, the first documented ministry as Jesus came from the mountain. And this leper bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Bonk. Jesus said, I'll make you clean. Jesus healed him. And then one of the great stories in the Bible in chapter uh, 8, verse 5, it says, Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him, and he said, hey, my servant is ill. He needs you to touch him. Jesus gave him words that are reserved exclusively for that man. He said this to no one else. He said, after he had this discussion with the centurion guard, he said, there's no greater faith in all of Israel. You remember that story? And he said, when next time you see your servant, your servant will be healed. That happened in Matthew chapter 8. And then, and then moving on, Jesus goes. Now, this is where you know Jesus has compassion because he goes to Peter's house where his mother-in-law has a fever and Jesus touches her, healed. And then, he, and then in, in verse 16, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. Oh, Jesus is plowing through and doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And then you, you remember um, the story where he gets on the boat because he's going to the other side. And the storm comes up and the disciples are freaking out. G what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping, right? And he gets up and he says, oh, you of little faith. And he speaks at the winds and the storm and it calms. All of this is happening in Matthew chapter 8. Awesome, awesome things are happening. You find that where people are hungry. There's a direct correlation between the King of Kings and Lord of Lords doing awesome stuff like that and where the people are hungry. And I don't care if you're in Granville, Michigan, or if you're in some refugee camp where people are hunting you down because you're a Christian. Jesus' manifestation of ministry follows an appetite, whether you're there or whether you're here. And this photo you see right here are people who had gathered around as we came and they had heard, you know, we were coming. And I'm telling you, it's just such a privilege. It is, I've been, it's 19 years that I've had the opportunity to serve at World Mission. 
Guys, it is an unbelievable privilege to go into these places and these people are gathered and they'll gather and you're just, oh my, you're like, man, I just want to love them all, hug them. And, and, and I, asked, I asked our guy, I said, hey, why, why'd they come? And, and so first he shocked me, he said, well, they came because they wanted to greet you guys and really just have this crazy, out of sight sense of hospitality. But they were also, they were also hoping they would get a treasure. Because word got out, there's a solar-powered audio pile. They, 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 were, they were hoping, at least one per family, they were hoping to get it. I'm like, man, I wish, you know, I have one problem. I'm like, well, you know, where'd they come from? Are they like in the nearby villages and this and that? And I'm kind of asking all these questions. And, and what I end up finding out is that there's 200 people there and more than half of them that you see in this photo walked 100 kilometers without food, just getting some water along the way. These are the poorest of the poor. They came to greet us and get the word of God. Guys, an appetite. You know, before Jesus came down the hill in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. They will be filled. That's my prayer for you tonight. That's, that's quite honestly the prayer for me. Lord, give me an appetite that I hunger and quench for your word so that these awesome things that I just shared in Matthew chapter 8 can become part of my story. And, and so here you are, you know, we're, we're, we're giving out as many treasures as we possibly could. And, and, and these boxes, they, they help make that story a reality. And, and then things got really crazy because they told me, they said, they said, Greg, God's doing amazing things around here through the word of God. You know, we've been doing distributions in this area the second largest rainforest in the whole world. It's the most remote place I've ever been in my life. When the airplane dropped us off, I was like, don't forget us in four days, man. We're, we're here. Because the only way out of there is on a boat that will take one week. Don't forget us. That story right there. In the last two years, because of these going in there, and the word of God not returning void, going into a heart that is readied, that is like soil that's ready for a seed to go into. 43 churches established and planted, just like this one right here. That right there is a church, one of 43 different churches. I gotta quickly introduce you to one of the guys. You say, well what happens from here, that goes to world mission, and then this gets sent out. What happens then? Does it just a church magically appear? It goes into the hands of these national leaders. That, by the way, is a gift they gave us. I know you're totally jealous now. They said, hey, brother, They're, they come up with this thing you know, behind their back. They're about a grin, big grin on their face. We got a gift for you. And I'm like thinking, sweet. Kathy's going to love whatever you're giving me because I'm just going to give it to my wife. And they said, here. I said, that's not for Kathy. Luke might like that, but I don't think Kathy's going to like that so much. So Luke, I didn't bring that home, buddy. But so the, here, here is a nice little, little, you know, crocodile, baby crocodile. But here's, here's where the treasure goes. It goes to Francois. 
You say, well, well, what does Francois do for a living? He traps crocodiles. He goes out on the river and he sets these little traps and he catches those crocodiles. Do you know why he does that? I mean, you talk about a risky endeavor. Hey, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I go out, uh, water above my head, and I trap crocodiles, and I'm four foot two. (laughs) Do you know why he does that? So we can distribute these to people who have never heard of Jesus because they're hungry for the word of God. And I get the privilege to come and talk to you guys and say, hey, you guys want to help us make more of that happen? I think we can do that. I think we can fill one of these guys up because one of those things becomes reality every time. Cost. There's a cost, isn't there? I mean, no no matter what, I mean, ministry is not always just the beginning of Matthew chapter 8. Because you know what happens right at the end of Matthew chapter 8? Is Jesus goes and there's these two demon-possessed dudes that no one could touch. I mean, there's a strong spirit in them. And Jesus goes up to them, and just like the other miracles, he's like, "Uh, devil, get out of there. Sets these guys free. Do you know where he sends the demons in them? Into that herd of pigs. Remember that story? That's the end of Matthew chapter 8. Those pigs go running down. They're into the, you know, they drowned in the, in the lake. Now you would think there would be celebration in the city because of two demon-possessed mans. After all the other miracles Jesus did, that there'd be celebration. Matthew chapter 8, the last verse, verse 34. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they implored and begged him to leave their city. Guys, there's stuff that happens, whether it's here or in your world, when God's doing cool stuff like those testimonies we heard, like the things I'm talking about, there's hard stuff that's coming. It's not a matter of if. It's when. There's something on the horizon that's going to come your way. And you know what? God kind of allows those things. Why? to increase our appetite and dependency on him so that we can be even more effective in ministry. Now, here's my last word of encouragement for you tonight. What will you do at that point? Because there's real stuff, isn't there? There's stuff that's real that's in your life. There's things that discourage you. There's there's words that people say that cut you. There's circumstances out of your control. You had nothing to do with it. You were a victim totally of a situation. Now, the enemy would want to take you out. But what does Jesus do? Right after the, the whole city comes and says, hey, get out of here. You know what the next verse is? Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Getting into a boat... Jesus crossed over the sea and came to another city to do ministry. (laughs) I love it. You see, get back in the boat. Get back in, strap back up and say, and you notice that that's not, Jesus wasn't contemplating back and processing, oh, I got wounded, I got hurt, I'm a victim, woe is me, let me tell everybody about my pity party. His next move is offensive. 
He got in the boat and he went for more ministry. Guys, tonight as, as maybe there's some situations you're dealing with and looking at, get in the boat, get on the offensive, take it to him. God is with you. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And remember, I am with you always. That's what Jesus said. Guys, we're going to take it to the devil and punch him in the face by going into this, these areas like this. We're going to give him a little bit of one, two, huh? You guys with me? Let's do it. Let's do it. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Father, I, I just thank you for your presence here. I thank you for uh, Lord, these young adults that have a passion for you. Lord, my prayer tonight is that their appetite, their appetite would increase. Their hunger and thirst for you would increase. It would increase. It would increase. Father, encourage them. Encourage them. Hey, tonight I'm going to pray. And as your, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed still, I'm going to be down here in the front, and I'd love to pray with you. If, you. if some of this is like foreign terminology and you're like, hey, I'm not following that great commission and some of this, all these miracle stuff, that sounds crazy, it's for you. It's for you. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just lift your hand up for me. Let me see your hand. Man, it will bless me tonight if I can just pray with, encourage you guys. All right, I'm going to be right down here front, all right? And I think some of the leaders will be down here too. And uh, we're going to take it to the devil, aren't we? Let's be on the offensive. Let's not sit back. Let's take it to him. Lord, encourage these guys, bless them. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you were doing in our lives. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, I think Pastor Jake's going to come up here. I'm going to talk about the light stream real quick. Yeah, yeah. One last thing, because there's certain areas that...